Welcome to a brand new episode of the Bold Take Podcast. I'm Austin Hill. With me, as always, is Austin Waiter. And today, we're talking NBA basketball. Um, before we get into anything, make sure to go listen to our NFL episode. We talk about an exciting past weekend of football. We're previewing everything that's coming up this weekend. And a little look at the playoff picture because, boy, oh, boy, the postseason's come early this year. Yeah, um, it came early, I think, what, five, six weeks? <laughs> yeah. So, boy, oh, boy, we've got a lot going on uh, in the NFL. But let's spin it over to the NBA where uh, we haven't talked to a whole bunch about the NBA uh, this year. And so let's start by peeking into the standings here and kind of uh, looking at where everybody stands right now. And at the number one seed we've got in the Eastern Conference, we've got uh, the Boston Celtics at 21-6. and six. You've got the Bucks right behind them, Sixers in the three, Magic in the four, Knicks in the five, and Cavs in the six. Um, really, the biggest surprise to me right now in the standings is uh, that the Magic are still in the top yeah. four. Uh, they had the hot start to the year where they were sitting at number two right behind Boston. They've kind of fallen off a little bit, but still hanging around in that top four. That's home court advantage in the first round, and uh, you know, really surprising from them. I think they what won nine in a row. I think it was like nine in a row at some point. Um, but yeah, they've been a fun surprise this year. They've been a fun surprise, um, no doubt. And one thing that I've enjoyed, just for, I mean, honest for biased reasons, uh, is seeing uh, Anthony Black get some starting time and playing time. Loved him in his one year with the Razorbacks, and I felt like he was probably the most pro-ready Razorback basketball player we've had since um, Bobby Portis, probably. Yeah. So I've enjoyed him. Um, Paolo Boncaro has looked, you know, like we all thought he would when he was a number one pick. Um, but it just took forever. It just took years. You wondered, when are they going to take that step? Because they've been rebuilding for like, what, three, four years. And you just wonder, when are they going to take that next step? When is it going to be? And it seems like with the way they started this season, they look like they've turned that corner. Unlike uh, a team that I thought had a chance to be really good, which we're not going to talk about at the very bottom. Yeah. Uh then at number seven, we've got the Miami Heat. Uh, number eight, we've got the Indiana Pacers. Number nine, we've got the Brooklyn Nets. And rounding out uh, the play-in teams, we've got the Atlanta Hawks at number 10. Um, really, I think a, a big shocker to me is, one, that the Heat are this far down, um, and two, that the Nets are this far up. Uh, Miami, obviously, they've been knocking on the door of a championship for a while now, making great runs in the postseason. Um, and then you look at Brooklyn and, you know, tearing it all down, building it back up, tearing it all down again, right. up and down. And, oh, boy, oh, boy. But the the pieces they've got right now uh, seem to be committed to winning and at least putting them right now in, in the playing picture, uh, led by an exciting young tandem of uh, Mike Bridges and Cam Johnson. I just didn't expect it to be working this well this soon. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect it either. And it's really, I wouldn't say they've been, you know, just elite. They've just been kind of balanced at what they're doing. So they've been doing a good job there. The Miami Heat, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. The thing that's struggling for them right now, uh, their defense is less this year than it was last year. And obviously that includes losing Gabe Vincent, some other guys in free agency. But yeah, I fully uh, was fully surprised by that for them because right now they're kind of dead average when you look at some of the stats. But the, uh, I'm just biased here. I'll say it in there. My Pacers, the fact that we're 14 and 12, if we could just play a lick of defense, any type of defense, we'd be good. We're number one in the NBA in offense, I'm pretty sure. Or if we're not, we're top three. Um, just got to figure out something on defense. I imagine that might be something they do with the trade deadline to try to get some more defense. 
Um, and then the Atlanta Hawks, I mean, you know, speaking of that, they just don't play defense. So yeah. um, they're outscoring opponents. That's how they're doing it. Um, yeah, when you talk about the Miami Heat and uh, what they lost this offseason, you think about it, last, they, the last couple of years they've really been beat uh, built on great defense and great shooting, and they lost a lot of yep. that uh, on both ends. Um, this offseason, you talk about Max Struess, one of their best shooters, right. left for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Gabe Vinson, one of their better players, left for the L.A. Lakers. So, obviously, losing a lot of pieces like that hurts this team. Um, but then let's uh, round out the Eastern Conference. Uh, the best of the worst at number 11 is the Chicago Bulls, hey. sitting at 12 and 17, who have really picked it up as of late. We'll talk a little bit more about the Bulls and Pacers uh, later. Yeah. Um, at 12, we've got the Toronto Raptors, who are beginning uh, kind of the first phase in their new rebuild this yep. year. Um, and then you got the bottom three. <laughs> yeah, then you've got uh, really the worst of the worst here. You've got the Charlotte Hornets, the Washington Wizards, and the Detroit Pistons. And boy, oh boy, it's been a while since the Pistons have won a game. Um, it's really starting to get sad at this point. And a lot of people are starting to point the finger at Monty Williams. And while I think that his coaching has not been necessarily the best uh, since he got to uh, Detroit, um, it's certainly the way this roster is composed. Uh, it's just built on a ton of young guys. Right. And that's right. it. And there's no veteran presence, really, to kind of lead this team. Um and, I mean, this is what's going to happen when you get a bunch of guys who are inexperienced in the NBA and just throw them out on a court and say, play. Yeah, um, that really is what's going to happen. And, you know, man, I can't imagine anyone on the show picking the Pistons as a dark horse this year. Yeah. No idea who, you know, smacking my head against the table. Um, but, no, yeah, it's just – they just – they it's just a really young team. There's a lot of pieces there. It's just not working together. That's yeah. the whole issue. They have a lot of good young pieces. Cade Cunningham, I still think, was the right pick. He's been phenomenal. They just struggle with that. Um, Killian Hayes at times played good. Jay Nivey's not been bad. Marcus Sasser, I'm hoping they get him more involved yeah. in the team too. Um, but, I mean, you have Bojan Bogdanovic, who is one of the veteran presence there. But you know what we mean. I'm sure you all know what we mean yeah. by veteran presence. Someone – who will come in and be a leader. No no disrespect to Bojan, but he's not someone I look at yeah, as a leader that could come in and lead a team. No disrespect to him. He's scoring like 20-something points per game, I think. Um, but I just don't see it. Isaiah Stewart. I mean, there's a lot of young pieces. You just got to get the right veterans in there. That's what it's going to take. And also, people act like Monty Williams had immediate success with the Suns. People forget, for the five, six years before, he, before they got good, the Nets sucked. Or the, the the Nets. No, sorry. Yeah. Those, well, they did suck for a while there when they did too. But the Suns sucked. They were not a good team. Uh, never forget Dragon Bender was one of their top four picks. Yeah. Never forget Dragon Bender. Uh, um, Marcus, uh, Mar Marquise Chris as well. Oh my gosh. I forgot about Marquise Chris. Um, but, I, but there's been a lot that had to happen for them to get to that. And they just need to be patient. Anyone who thought they could come in. I was just thought they had a chance to improve with Monty Williams. But anyone who thought they had high expectations going into the season doesn't understand what it comes with building a team. You can't just have a bunch of young guys that work together and win. It's finding the right overall core. And clearly they see, and I would imagine at the trade deadline, they'll make some moves and maybe try to adjust that core. Yeah, I, I think at some point some of these young guys have to go. Um, you look at point guard, 
And really, they've drafted three point guards uh, in you know the last five well, years. Yeah. You look at Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, and Jaden Ivey. And yeah. while Cunningham's big enough to don't forget uh, about Marcus Sasser, yeah. what we drafted him this past year and too. Marcus Sasser. Um, you know, you look at these guys. Uh, Cade Cunningham's big enough that he can maybe move down to the three, but that's not really where he's best. He's best no. handling the ball. I could see him playing moving to the two, and I think yeah. that's probably the plan. Um, but between Jaden Ivey and Killian Hayes. You got to pick. Right. At least right now, Marcus Sasser can be a backup. Uh, but Killian Hayes and Jaden Ivey, yeah, somebody's got to go. And so I think it's time to start unloading some of these younger guys um, to maybe get you know that veteran presence mm. that we're talking about that they're and, missing. And in my opinion, I think the one they need to get rid of is Killian Hayes just because he's been there the longest um, out of all of them, and he's dealt with injuries, really hasn't lived up to – what pick was he in the NBA draft? Was he top 10? Four. He was – I want to say maybe I got I got no idea. I'll look, but um, I think he's definitely the one that they should look to move on just because he's been there the longest. Jay Nivey's only been there. This is his second year. You talked about Marcus Sasser's a rookie, so they won't have to worry about it. Cade Cunningham. Um, he's only been there for a bit of time as well. So, in my opinion, Killian Hayes would be the one to move. I don't know how much you could get for him, but I think there's a possibility you could get some stuff for him. Yeah, he was the seventh overall pick. Seventh, okay. Um, All right. So and, the top ten, okay. Yeah, and he I, – I agree with you that he's the one that's got to go. I also think that he's been the most underwhelming uh, since they've yeah, gotten him. exactly. I think Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham, uh, at least with their the way they're playing specifically, um, have kind of lived up to the expectation. And they've had their big moments. I really yeah. don't remember a moment where I say, yeah, I remember Killian Hayes' big game. I don't I don't ever recall that at I all. I completely remember. I, I completely agree with that. So uh, let's take a look at the Western Conference here. And right now, one of the biggest surprises Ooh. of the entire NBA season. Really, this whole top six is kind yeah. of a shocker. <laughs> uh, but really, it lies in these top two. Uh, at number one, we've got the Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves at 20 and six. And, uh, this team is really built on defense, and you know, last year we looked at the move that they made to get Rudy Gobert, uh, having Carl Anthony Towns, and we thought head scratcher, and they looked poor. And uh, you know, we talked about this in the offseason. Yeah, maybe it was time for this team to just tear it down and start over. And boy, have they slapped us right in the face because <laughs> um, they've really doubled down on kind of the way this roster is built, and it's working. But when you have guys like Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gobert, uh, Mike Conley, uh, guys that play really, really great defense, um, that stuff kind of rubs off, and that stuff is effective and helps this team be better. Even a guy like Troy Brown Jr. and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, long athletic guards that play good defense. Um, and then it's been really getting contributions out of, obviously, Carl Anthony Towns is going to be their go-to scorer, but they've got a guy like Shake Milton. Right. Guy scores the ball great. Anthony Edwards, obviously the face of this team. Uh, you look at... Don't forget about Nas Reed. Nas Reed has been huge for them. Nas Reed's been massive off the bench. And really, both of the bigs off the bench. Luca Garza. Yes. Undrafted, uh, was really a stud at Iowa. Yes. yes. At Iowa. Yeah, he won Player of the Year at player Iowa. Player of the Year at Iowa. Um, he's been sensational, really, for them off the bench. So, adding a lot of pieces uh, makes this team exciting. And boy, oh boy, they look really good right now. And... Finally, with uh, Oklahoma City here at the two, um, I, I don't know what to say. This team has really – it's um, be, besting uh, the expectation. Really, for Oklahoma City right now, with all the draft picks they've piled up for the next four or five years, right. um, they've kind of been like, if we're bad, who cares? If we're good, who cares? Uh, they basically are just playing basketball, and whatever happens, happens. And 
that's almost, I think, a great environment to be in as a player yeah. because with no, I'm sure the fans don't want to see you losing every year. Right, but when right, the GM right. and the coach and the ownership is like, we're good on draft picks, so whatever you do, do it. Just play basketball. It's kind of so free. And they it shows that the picks they've made are paying off. Uh, obviously, the move to get Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chet Holgram is really holding up. Picking up Isaiah Joe, Jalen, both Jalen Williams look yep. fantastic for them. They've got a lot of pieces and a lot of young guys. I think the thing that's going to help this team go above, because regular season, you can be as good as you want in the regular season, but in the playoffs, you got to have guys to play. I think maybe you ship off some of these bench young guys who look really good and some of your extra draft picks and maybe get yourself a veteran guy, right. uh, maybe an all-star who can come in and play on this team and add an extra step. That way in the playoffs, you've got a guy who's been there, done that, he's a leader. And on top of that, when the young guy starts struggling, you've got a guy you can turn to who's a certified killer in the postseason. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the big thing. I mean, you look at the Thunder whenever they had Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. Yeah, they were made it to the finals that one time. What hurt them all those times they made the postseason? There was no veteran presence. The veteran presence was Kendrick Perkins on yeah. that team. Um, say, do what you will with that information. Um, and he was one of the least valuable players in the NBA in his tenure with the Oklahoma City Yeah, Thunder, literally. So. Um, James Harden. I mean, just say James Harden contract, just say contract between those two. And then that answers your question. The Thunder really appreciate having to pay Kendrick Perkins millions of dollars. Um, But no, uh, they need to get, like, I agree with you on the veteran presence. And, you know, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, some that would fit because there's so much young core on this bench. And obviously the elephant in the room with Josh getting, not knowing what the future is there. Yeah. We're, if you haven't heard, we're not going to say what's going on there with Josh. We're Gaines. not going to throw around allegations because he's still playing basketball. Yeah, so clearly yeah, whatever's, still playing. Yeah. whatever's happening is not entirely concrete right. to the NBA right. yet. But I mean, they're still investigating it. There's, so yeah. yeah. So we're not going to say anything on it. Um, but Shay, I mean, you know, I, I said it last year. I'll say it again. I'm I'm starting to really regret that trade that we made with the Thunder for Paul George. Because Shea, I love whenever we drafted Shea. He had a great rookie year with us. We made the postseason. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was, un, it's unfortunate. Um, but he has turned into a superstar there. And I, I, I absolutely love it for him. So I'm happy for him and his overall core. I didn't know how Shet Holmgren would do especially with sitting out that first year due to injury. I agree. Um, but he's gotten it figured out. He's, he's figuring it out right now. He's doing pretty good. Um, obviously, I'm biased. I would like Jalen Williams from Arkansas to play uh, over him. That's just a biased opinion. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so they're looking good. Like you said, they just got to find a veteran presence or two that maybe they could bring in and help with this team. Here's one out of curiosity. Maybe I know they probably won't get rid of him. But, I mean, there's Patrick Beverly for you. Yeah. Um, but, but it will depend on what they're willing to give up for those uh, for those guys because there's a lot of good young depth on that bench. I mean, um, I think – what's the name of the one they drafted? That's like a seven-foot small forward. Pokes? Pokes? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, he was like – Pachevsky, I like, believe. Uh, yeah, I got no idea. But I think he was like a top 10 pick a few years ago. Who wouldn't want a top 10 pick on their roster from that? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Um, obviously Aaron Wiggins, yeah, Aaron Wiggins is not a bad one. Trey Mann is not a bad one either. He's been decent off the bench for them. Um, Davis Bertans, uh, I guess you could say he's a veteran technically, but he's a shooter that I'm sure a contender would be willing to swap someone for. So yeah, there's a couple of pieces they could make work for a trade. Absolutely. 
Uh, I'm completely with you there. Um, at number three, we've got the defending champion, uh, Denver Nuggets. And it hasn't been a bad year for them. Um, kind of sitting around where we thought, obviously expecting them to be at number one. But, right. you know, this team is all about consistency and longevity. And they'll hang around this top spots. And as, you know, the pretenders start to fall, the real teams start to rise. And yep. so we'll see over the course, are the Timberwolves and Thunder really cut out for being at the top? Um, but that Nuggets team is surely, I, I would imagine, is going to rise no matter what. Yeah, um, my, yeah. My big thing is how much are they going to miss Bruce Brown come playoff time? I mean, that's the whole thing. I mean, we know Denver's going to be in the playoffs. We know they're going to be in the playoffs at the end of the year. If they're not, something went horribly wrong, and we would obviously talk about it if something went horribly wrong. But we'll expect them in the playoffs. And my big thing with that is just how will they respond not having that presence of Bruce Brown being there in the playoffs because he provided a lot off the bench for them last year. Yeah, I completely agree. He was kind of a spark plug. Um, but I truly expect uh, Jamal Murray to be able to step back more into that role of being that big play kind right. of guy down the stretch. Right. Um, we obviously saw a good Jamal Murray last year, but he didn't look as an ex- explosive and uh, as much as the go-to guy down the stretch. Um, you know, they and not that that was a detriment because they played a lot of team ball down the stretch, right? Right, to get a lot of guys open, a lot of guys get shots up. But I would expect to see him kind of demand the ball and try to control the ball and crunch time between him and Jokic, right? Um, at, once we get to the postseason, but you're right, having a guy like Bruce Brown just being on the court and that presence, um, will they miss it? Will they have guys step up? They're certainly hoping that that's the role that Christian Brown can fit yeah. into. I was about to say, surely he can. I mean, that guy's won two straight championships. Won one at Kansas senior year's first year. He wins an NBA title. So hopefully he can continue that trend. Absolutely. Uh, then at number four, we've got the Los Angeles Clippers uh, rounding out these uh, home court advantage in the playoffs. Um, and the Clippers, they made the move to get James Harden. Um, and... So far, it's paying off. This is a a great start to the season for this team, uh, as in uh, better than in recent years. Yeah. Um, listen, I'm happy for the start of the season. I could care less for the start of the season with this team. What I want to see is with two weeks to go in the season, yeah. or like a month to go in the season, who is healthy on this roster? That's true. That's the thing I want. Um, James Harden, he's gotten it going the last couple weeks after a really rough start. Um, but they've figured it out on offense the last couple of weeks with him getting him more involved. Um, but yeah, in my opinion, we just I need to wait and see on where this team is injury wise and near midpoint after the All Star break before I get any hope up for this team. Because every year I'm like, you know, look at this Clippers roster; they should be an NBA title contender. And then by the All Star break, one of them's out for the year. Yeah. So. Um, I'm going to keep my thoughts on them down a little bit until we reach that point. But it's a decent start to the year, and hopefully James Harden can continue. Because right now, they're really balanced. They're top 10 offensively, top 10 defensively. It's a really balanced team right now. Yeah. Uh, then at five, we've got uh, everybody's favorite team from last year's postseason, the Sacramento Kings, uh, a fun team to watch. At six, we've got the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, then heading into those playoff teams, you've got the Pelicans at seven. Uh, you've got the Lakers at eight. The Rockets at nine and the Suns sitting at ten, uh, just barely in the play-in right now. But all those teams have winning record, which the East cannot say the same no. thing. A lot of those teams in the play-in don't have winning records. Um, but uh, probably the biggest shock out of all of this, I would say, is that the Suns are sitting at ten. But the biggest issue has been that their big three has played one game yeah, together, they can't and then play together. and then Bradley Beal got hurt in that game. Yeah, I mean. 
that's literally the only issue with this team. They're not going to be able to get any working together with that big three, which was, I thought, whenever they made the deal, was a great big three to have. Absolutely. But you can't have a big three if not all three are on the court. That's just how it's going to work for you. So, I mean, they're basically what I say with the Clippers. You need to get healthy. We got to get them healthy. Because when they're healthy and they can play some games together and they can get it figured out, they'll be a problem for teams in the playoffs. But they've got to get healthy first. They've got to get these three playing together for a long time. Yeah, and you think about the thing that killed the Brooklyn Nets in the Kevin Durant era was not being able to be on the floor with James Harden and Kyrie yep, Irving. exactly. What, those guys played a total of like 40 minutes together yeah, or something? May- I think that's an exaggeration. <laughs> but, yeah, um, um, they, they didn't play a lot together because one was always injured in the, the playoff run. Against the Bucks, where Kevin Durant's foot was on the line, Kyrie Irving and James Harden were dealing with injuries all throughout that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's all. And then the year after that was a whole James Harden fiasco that led him getting traded to Philly and then blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, they got to get those three playing together for a long period of time. Like, get them at least – start out slow. Get them at least to play three games together, like three or four games together. Yeah. Get them a couple of games to play together to find out what they truly are. Um, and then at number 11, we've got the Golden State Warriors. At number 12, we've got the Utah Jazz. 13, the Memphis Grizzlies. 14, the Portland Trail Blazers. And at number 15, we've got the San Antonio Spurs. Um, really, the Grizzlies being this far down, I'm a little bit shocked by. I know they were missing jaw, um, but I thought that they had built a team that would be able to sustain some games. But clearly, they've missed his presence. Um, but obviously he comes back in that first game from suspension, 30 points, hits the game winner. I'm expecting this team to go on a, a meteoric rise because yeah. Oh, yeah. they've got their best player back, uh, and barring uh, any incidents, uh, he's going to be here for the rest of the season. Yeah, um, I was about to say, hopefully he learned from it. Hope that's the whole goal with this suspension. And, you know, something we both agreed on whenever the suspension was announced was, this is enough to prove a point to job, but at the same time, isn't ultimately detrimental to the season. And also, the Grizzlies were great whenever he was injured. They, I believe, they had one of the best records in the NBA whenever he wasn't injured, when he wasn't playing due to some injuries and um, other reasons as well. They were winning games. Um, they didn't start out the season like this. I would imagine with him there, I agree with you. They'll get on a rise, but. Getting back to some of these other teams, I know we'll talk more about probably a certain situation with the Warriors here in a minute. Yeah. Um, but one of those teams we didn't talk about that's in that plane right now, the Houston Rockets, right now, the nine seed right now. A, kind of a shocker, but then you remember uh, I am Udoka, the new coach there, how good of a job he did with Boston taking over for Brad Stevens there. Um, and really, they've done a really good job being bounced. I mean, uh, I forget how you pronounce his name, the center from, I believe, Turkey, maybe? Or yeah, Turkey? Alpreen Singun. Yeah, he. I, I love watching him play. Uh, if there's an NBA player I'll tune in for in that I like, didn't think I would be enjoyed yeah. watching, he he's one of them. I've enjoyed watching him play. And plus, it's just getting this core to work together, I think is what the big thing there is. So, yeah, they can keep it up. They could be a fun uh, new team to, uh, to maybe contend with. And remember, we kind of laughed at the Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks signing. Right now, they're in that playoff picture. So Yeah, uh, I don't think Dylan Brooks has necessarily been the best no, signing. No, um, no. He hasn't played super-duper well. Um, but you, we talked about getting the right veterans. And Fred Van Vliet's been that guy. He's been a leader, right. and he certainly helped put this team on the right track. The Rockets' biggest issue right now, they are tied for the best record at home. Yeah. They have two yeah. wins on yeah. the road. Yeah, I was about to say season. they are 
They are terrible on the road. They're the worst road team and tied for the best home team. If this team can pick up some wins on the road, watch out for the Houston Rockets. They got to be fucked. And that just, that comes with playing more games during the season. Absolutely. But let's spin it over. Uh, You talked a little bit about the Clippers, uh, but let's have you talk a little bit more about the Pacers um, and what they've been up to this season. And I I just can't wait to hear what you talked about, uh, what you talked about with them because they've been so good this year. Yeah, they've been, they've been fun to watch. Uh, That play, that uh, in season tournament run was probably the greatest experience I've had as a Pacers fan since the Paul George pre injury era. Yeah. Uh, That was probably the greatest ride in my entire life watching Tyrese literally become a god in front of my eyes. Um, You know, I I knew whenever we made that trade that it was a good trade uh, for us. But I didn't expect it to go like this this quickly. He's taken over. Um, he's been great. Miles Turner's been great. Benick Matherin's been great. Um, Obi Toppin, I've loved that side. I loved that trade whenever we did it. I love it now. Um, the only thing, I mean, if anything, Bruce Brown's been good. Aaron Neesmith's been good off the bench for us. Jalen Smith has had some good games off the bench as well. To me, it's just we got to figure out something on defense. That is the only thing that I have any trouble with this team. We are scoring over 120 points a game. Yeah. We're, we're scoring a lot, but we're giving up. Uh, I forget how much. Yeah, we're get, we're scoring 128 points per game. We're giving up 126.5 points per game. We need to find some defense. And not going to lie, I thought Bruce Brown might come in and help with that. But I got to remember, he's just one guy. You yeah. can't rely on it. So we need to get more defense on this team. I imagine like talk about if this team is still competing midseason, we can see at the trade deadline uh, when that could occur. So. I mean, you know, you never know. You never know what they could try to get defensively. Um, that's the only thing I have any issue with. I'm loving everything else about this team. Some of the young guys that are coming together, uh, you know, they're, I think they're doing a great job. The only thing I wish, if there was anything, was that we could get some of our um, rookies more involved. You know, Jairus Walker, he really hasn't gotten to play a lot. Um, but I could understand it because we have some presence. But – uh, shout out. I love that we still have Oscar Sheepway on the roster because he was one of my favorite college players. That's all. Yeah. But get defense, and you have a chance to have some fun this year being a fun team. But enough about mine. Let's talk about your Chicago Bulls. What about them, Austin? Uh, so we came into this year uh, kind of hung on AK's view of consistency, and that's that's basically his whole thing. He said when he came in, we're going to beat teams on consistency. We're going to consistently have a good roster where other teams are going to be up and down, constantly flip-flopping for superstars um, and trading assets out. And uh, we saw at the beginning of this year that that's just not working. That no. mindset and that point of view is just not working. Um, but then Zach Levine uh, decided to take a, a leave of absence. It, it's due. It's allegedly due to injury. Um, but injury. I, I think it has more to do with um, finding a suitor for a trade oh, and yeah. not wanting him to actually get hurt. Um, and something has flipped the switch uh, in this team, and the young guys finally getting a chance to play are showing out. As soon as Zach Levine went out, Kobe White has blossomed into an all-star right before our eyes. The guy is playing phenomenal basketball. Him and DeMar DeRozan have some kind of connection. Getting Ayo Dosumu on the floor now in that starting shooting guard position, flip-flopping him with Caruso in that starting shooting guard, right. that is now taking Zach Levine's pretty decent scoring ability, but poor defense and replacing it yeah. with two really good three-point shooters who play lockdown defense. Exactly. The team's defense has gone up tremendously. DeRozan is obviously still playing at his level, 
Vucevic still playing at a top level with Drew, uh, Drummond backing him up. Um, and Patrick Williams has really played well over this stretch. Uh, all this work that he's done with DeMar, DeMar DeRozan over the offseason has helped him develop into one of the better uh, ISO guys on our team right now. He can get the ball working in that mid-range just like DeMar. It's scary how much like DeMar he is right now, <laughs> except a better defender and a way better three-point shooter. Um, right now, I think the Bulls should absolutely embrace the youth on this team. I love DeMar, and I'd love to see him stick around. Uh, I love Vucevic. I love Andre Drummond. But I think Vuce and Drummond have to go. We have to develop a young big, we, whether that's by trade or by the draft. We've got to get our hands on a young big. I'd love to see DeMar DeRozan stick around and kind of mentor these guys because Dalen Terry looks so good right now. Yep. Patrick Williams looks so good right now. And those are two guys that spend every waking hour with DeMar DeRozan. Uh, those three work so hard together. They play so well together. Um I'm really impressed with the way the young Bulls team looks. I think if we can embrace this youth, um, kind of trade some guys off, get some draft picks, get some young guys. We're sitting at 11 right now. Yeah. We're just outside of the play-in tournament. This team is playing better right now without Zach Levine. I think it's time to move on. I love Zach Levine, and I will cheer for him wherever he goes. Is there a, is there a particular team you would like to maybe make a deal with to try to get some assets from them? Not the Lakers, okay. uh, preferably, because okay. they don't have anything. The no. Lakers don't have anything to offer. That's no. purely a move for the Lakers to get better and us to gain absolutely nothing. Exactly. Um, no offense to Austin Reeves. He's an Arkansas guy, another guy I'll cheer for no matter what. I don't want his contract. <laughs> Too much yeah. money. The whole reason to dump Zach here, get youth, get draft assets. Lakers don't have assets. Reeves isn't that young, uh, and he's making too much money. I think, ultimately, I, I could see a deal with OKC. Uh, maybe bring in a guy like Keontae Johnson. Maybe bring in Jalen Williams or Pachevsku, uh, Pachevsky. Yeah, the, however, the guy we were just talking yeah however about. you pronounce it. I think Jalen uh, Williams, the Arkansas Jalen, I think he would fit in really, I really well with, with the Bulls. I think he would fit in. He's a team player. He's not going to try to control the ball. He's going to rebound, assist. He'll take charges. I think he would fit in great there. I think that would be a good spot. Plus, you we talked about with the Thunder – getting a veteran on the roster to maybe help him. Zach Levine may not be the ultimate, but it could be a step in the right direction to let other teams know. And Zach Levine's a guy you can run down the stretch, clutch time, and his tenure with the Chicago Bulls, he's the guy, him or DeMar, guys that get the ball in the fourth quarter. Exactly. Zach Levine's hit so many clutch shots, clutch game winners down the stretch. He's absolutely a guy you can rely on and trust. Like I said, I love Zach Levine, um, but clearly he's fed up being in Chicago. Um, and clearly... It's time to go a different direction. I'm going to cheer for him no matter what. And if he comes back to play for the Bulls and he finishes this season with the Bulls, I'm going to cheer for him no matter what. But I think from this standpoint, the way this team's playing right now, we've benefited so much more from being able to have Dosumu and Caruso playing so much yeah. more minutes. And I will say, y'all, from the stuff I've seen, I haven't got to watch every Bulls game, let me be honest, but yeah. from the stuff I've seen, you're a lot more balanced as a team without him there. Y'all look so more balanced and different guys being able to attack and score. It makes it more fun of a team to watch. Like, I watched yeah. that Lakers game. I think y'all had, like, what, eight, nine guys in double figures in that game? And to harp on another thing, you know, I was harping on Caruso and Dosumu and how well they do. Another guy who plays just like that, who we brought in to shoot the heck out of the ball, is Javon Carter. Yeah. The, I love Javon Carter at West Virginia. Uh, yeah. I was really excited about this signing. I was hoping for something bigger to happen in our offseason, but Javon Carter's really stepped in. 
He plays great physical defense out there on the perimeter, picking up that top ball handler when he's on the floor, and then being able to go and just shoot the lights out. Um, this is the thing the Bulls needed was three-point shooting, and we're getting it right now out of our youth. Uh, great defense right now. I think we need to follow in this direction. I, I think it would be good for y'all. I think it would help out. And it would keep DeMar there, knowing he's the leader still, while you like slowly try to get pieces to add in behind him. I think that's Absolutely. smart. Um, but let's take a look at uh, our final little topic here, and that's Draymond Green. Did and something happen with him? Yeah. Uh, massive <laughs> suspension. Obviously, uh, if you don't know by now, he uh, – I'm just not even going to mince words here. I'm just going to be brutally honest. He punched Yusuf Nurkic <laughs> right in his face um, and then proceeded to just tell an elaborate story uh, that he was trying to sell the foul, that he didn't yeah. mean to hit him. Uh, it's a closed fist. It's right in the side of the head. And he literally winds it up. And I mean, Yusuf Nurkic also is not fouling him. He's playing – Inbound defense. That's how you guard. So I don't know if Draymond Green is aware. Uh, I would think he would as a former Defensive Player of the Year winner. I would hope so. <laughs> uh, that you are allowed to guard somebody. That's not a foul. Um, so, yeah. But the NBA has decided uh, upon an indefinite suspension until Gr- Draymond Green needs certain marks for his team and for the league uh, to return to play. Um, and I think this was the right step by the NBA. Um, I-, I think that they've been nice with Draymond Green. They've played nice. Uh, they showed that. Uh, I've seen a graphic of all his suspensions. And uh, the most games he had been suspended for for an incident was five yeah. for the Jordan Poole right, incident. Right, right. And that wasn't an NBA suspension. That was a team suspension. Uh, the NBA's longest suspension has been two games, um, and that was a couple of years ago. It was because he only missed one game for the Sabonis yeah. incident, which was – incredibly criminal yes it, it very much was literally you know stomping on a guy's chest while he's laying down on the yeah. floor and can't really stop him yeah uh and you know even more detriment is that in draymond green's absence uh, i believe sabonis missed that next game so it was almost not an advantage at all because their best big man also had to miss the same game draymond green did yeah um but the nba finally seems to be taking it serious understanding that uh no matter what they do, what they say, he's not listening. And let, let me be clear that just because there are incidents where Draymond Green's been suspended, there have been plenty of situations that he's gotten off scot-free. Oh, yeah. um, the most iconic example is kicking Steven Adams yeah. uh, with below, the, the, bell. below yeah. the bell. I mean, uh, not only did Draymond Green not face any punishment for this, they called a shooting foul on Steven Adams on that play for that. Yeah. Uh, Steven Adams missed the next game. I believe that was in the playoffs. Steven Adams yeah, did that, miss the next game. I think that was game. the iconic 3-1 comeback that happened. Um, Steven Adams missed the next game. Uh, you know, But, you know, there's a lot of incidents we think about where Draymond Green got little or no punishment. There's the incident where LeBron, he falls down on the screen. He reaches up and he slaps LeBron below the belt. He got a flagrant foul for that, but a flagrant mm-hmm. one. He didn't leave the game. Um, he did not face a suspension. Um, so you think about a lot of incidents with Draymond Green, the NBA finally taking it seriously. And uh, something I've said before is that I think this is, at this point, it's detrimental. Uh, it used to be in the playoffs, in the big moments, these incidents, these stunts got the team fired up. 
But right now, it's just killing the team. It's coming in the worst spots. I mean, you think about it. They were winning that game uh, yeah. against the Suns a couple nights ago. And the Suns went on to win this game in regulation. Uh, nearly a five-point play. Bradley Beal was inches away from draining a three-pointer to make that a five-point play. But still, a massive swing in the game. And uh, he, he's got to be he's got to be better. And at some point, he's got to start taking accountability. Uh, but I'm glad the league finally took some action. Yeah. Um, listen, as someone who played basketball and maybe played it, you know, more physical than some yeah. um, other people. Um, listen, there's a line between playing a physical game and between just trying to hurt people. Um, and yeah. that's what was occurring there with Draymond. Some of them, there, there's very few, maybe one or two I could look at where I could say that's just him going playing full speed, you know, it, yeah. Fouls like that happen. Most of the time, I mean, one of the more prevalent ones was he got his shot block, I think, on a layup, and he rushes back on defense and just falls on top of a guy. I'm yeah. like, dude, you can't do that. The Sabonis one, you literally stomp on the guy's chest. The one against Nurkic, you literally wind up and punch him. That's not playing hard. That's just yeah. straight up, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I mean, it's it for me, you know, and we talked about it. I sent you, we both talked about it after we both saw it live on yeah. TV. And we we're just like, you know, here comes the NBA with another five game suspension. You know, what else is new? Nothing's going to change. And we saw it was indefinite. And I was like, that's good. And they're making him meet requirements. And I think that that's fair. I think that's completely fair and the right thing to do because it's not how basketball wants to be played. Do you want physical players in the NBA? Do you want a physical player on your team? Yes, absolutely. You don't Pat want a dirtbag on your exactly. team. Exactly. Um, I know he's had his fair share of incidences, maybe you could say, but Patrick Beverly, I think, is a perfect example of this. I think Patrick Beverly is a pest and an annoyance, but he's not a guy that's, I mean. The only thing I could ever remember was the whole Russell Westbrook situation. That was the only time I remember him yeah. going like, all out to injure someone that isn't him playing tough physical defense. And that's an arguable situation. Of course, it was a, a questionable dive, maybe not the most logical right. thing, but he also is that kind of guy. It's not like that's the first incident of Patrick Beverly selling out for a basketball. Yeah, and also keep in mind, that's when Patrick Beverly was not a household name in the NBA, yeah. was fighting for minutes on a team with the Rockets, going against the best one of the best point guards in the NBA. He's going to go full speed against them, yeah. and you got to make it. So – that's the type of toughness you want on your team, not someone like Draymond who is willing to literally – I'm still mad at him for the Kawhi Leonard one, I think, during COVID, where Kawhi's going up for a dunk. He grabs his one arm and throws him down, and he's like, he like tries to get him. I was like, I'm sorry, and I'm like, no, you're not. You're not sorry for that. You're not. If you've ever played basketball, you know when a guy goes up, you do not grab him. No, that is a that is a cardinal sin. When a yeah. guy is in the air, you do not push him. You, you do not, not shove him. If you're going to do anything, the only people that try anything is to block a dunk or block a layup. You do not make forcible contact with a person. That is a cardinal sin in basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Because every time that person goes down as hard as they can and they cannot stop themselves. Exactly. Um, and it's not like they're going to have some – and I know someone's like, well, they have supports on the mat. Sometimes they fall straight down onto that hardwood. Yeah. I mean, I've literally – Falling down, I've hit my head on that over like ten plus times. Doing whenever situations like that have occurred, I've seen teammates really drop headfirst because guys are pushing them in the air. And you know, I mean, and I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, the teams that I see these situations happen, they handle it a lot better than I probably would. Yeah. I give them credit for that because they're a lot bigger than I would be. Um, because if it's me and Draymond in that situation, we have to fight. Um, just yeah. right there, it's just as I just look at my teammates, I'm like, I got to fight him. 
I got to go find him. Um, but yeah, this I'm glad he's getting some help, and hopefully this means he can still be a strong, tough defender in the NBA, but not someone who you look at, and every time you play, you wonder, who is he going to maybe almost give a potentially career-defining uh, injury to? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Um, but our fa- final little Christmas treat to you here in this NBA episode, let's pick the NBA Christmas game. Ooh, um, here we go. I like it. We'll start with the first game at 11 a.m. on Christmas, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks versus the New York Knicks uh, in the Garden. Who do you got? Oh, man. I don't know what it is. uh, I like Milwaukee. I like what they've done. Um, But I think Jalen Brunson's been on a bit of a tear lately. I like what he's been doing recently, um, what they've been able to do as a unit. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to give this one to the Knicks to win in the Garden, plus – I remember, you know, it's at 11 a.m. You do all the Christmas stuff in the morning. First thing you turn on on Christmas is that Knicks game that's usually on. It's yeah. like a it's like a tradition. Whenever you turn on, it's like, what's the first thing on? Oh, Knicks game, right, of course. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, give me give me the Knicks in it. Yeah, my fondest memory of doing that is uh, uh, it was a while ago. Um, I, I'm sure you probably remember this game. Oh, Knicks Wizards, Quincy AC yes. fighting the entire team. Yes. I was like, it's Christmas and we've got an all-out brawl on the court. Uh, but I, that is one yeah. of my memorable NBA Christmas moments. I do remember another – there was another incident I want to say when Taj Gibson was on the Knicks on Christmas. Probably. Taj or, Gibson was one of those hard-nosed gritty yeah. guys. But but that was always like one of the first things. But, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with the Knicks. We'll have some fun here. Speaking of Taj Gibson on the Knicks, he did just sign a contract with the Knicks. Wait, really? Uh, He's back on the yeah, Knicks? Yeah, Mitchell Robinson is out for the season. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. And right. so Tom Thibodeau brings back a, a favorite uh, in Taj Gibson to – Play for them, so maybe we'll see some more Taj Gibson Christmas antics uh, at 11 a.m. Watch there be like a huge moment with Taj Gibson. I'll be like, I knew it, I yeah. knew he would have a moment. Um, but I'll take the Bucks in this game. I like the Knicks and I like where they're going, but I think especially missing Mitchell Robinson, it might be hard to kind of contain this Bucks team in their length. Um, but obviously they bring in a guy like Taj Gibson, and he's a talented defender, so certainly not not impossible for the Knicks to pull right. this one off. Um, then at 1.30, we have Warriors versus Nuggets on ABC uh, in Denver. Who do you got? Uh, this won't be a hard one. I think Denver rolls. And I think Golden State, they're still trying to figure out how to respond after that Draymond thing. And also remember, Steve Kerr, like a game or two later, benched most of the veterans and started a lot of the younger guys. They're at like a turmoil point where they got to figure out if they're looking to compete or if they need to get more of these young guys, like Moses Moody, um, to play more minutes. So, yeah, I'm going to go Denver in this one. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit more at the trade deadline, but I think you and me both think this Warriors team might need to go in a different direction. Oh, yeah, they might. They And, I, and I'm and i going to be honest with you, one of them could be Clay Thompson. Yeah. I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Moses Moody had a strong start to the season, and I know that sounds biased on my part, yeah. and it, it partly is and partly it's not. But there could be some moves made, and honestly, it might be time to move on from Draymond Green, which is another thing we hadn't even talked to. I don't know who would take him, Yeah, but it's possible. Um. I'm going to go Denver in this one as well. It's kind of a no-brainer one. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be a fun game, I'm sure, uh, especially, you know, primetime television on Christmas. I'm sure Steph Curry's going to go out there and give you a show. But oh, yeah. just going to be uh, hard to beat uh, a team as one man. Uh, then we've got, at 4 o'clock on ABC, we've got Boston versus the Lakers. Um I'll go ahead and get it out of the way. I'm going to go Celtics in this one. I, I just don't think the Lakers are any match for this Boston team. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I think keeps the 
Lakers in this game is the amount of injuries in the front court for Boston. You know, with Al Horford um, being out, really poor Zingas. I, I love him, but he's not the best defender in the world. That's true. Um, his height helps him out a lot, but I'm still rooting for him. So I'm going to go with Boston too. But I think Anthony Davis might be able to have a solid game. Just don't know how it'll be able to stop Jason Tatum and all the other pieces on the Celtics. Uh, then at 7 o'clock, we got Sixers versus Heat. Who you got? Uh, um, you know, something I've just made a rule for myself. Anytime the Heat are playing the Sixers, um, I'm picking the Miami Heat. Tobias Harris over me? Yeah. Tobias Harris over me? Come it's on. It's Jimmy. funny you say that because I have the same opinion. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think Jimmy Butler plays a little bit harder. When, when he faces the Timberwolves and when he faces the Sixers, he plays a little bit harder. And when he plays in Chicago, not because he hates the Chicago Bulls, but because he loves the city, he plays a little bit harder for the Chicago fans. <laughs> yeah. I think when he plays those three teams, though, he plays a little him, bit yeah. harder. You're getting the best Jimmy Butler. I'm with you. I'm going with the Miami Heat. And, yeah. hey, this is going to be on on prime time, so a lot of people might be tuning in if they're not watching uh, the NFL game on Christmas, too. Yeah. That's a loaded 7 o'clock. Can we talk about that? Absolutely. That game, the NFL game of the year, and then you got – uh, Lakers Celtics before and then uh, the final game on Christmas which we're about to pick here that's a loaded you don't get a loaded Christmas slate like this like last year NFL was horrible on Christmas yeah I, I think personally I know the NFL likes to try and fall on a Sunday or a Monday or a Saturday or maybe a Thursday right for their event games I think they should play a game on Christmas every year. Oh, I agree. Uh, I think that maybe it'd be harder to convince players because if it ha- falls on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, it adds for a weird kind of timing in the schedule. I don't know. Give teams some extra time off or something for that to happen. Maybe also, like make it a Thursday night game where they get an extra time off before it and then they yeah. play. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I'm completely with you there. Um, but I think they should try and put more games on Christmas because clearly the NBA is tapped into this market and, most of the time, this is pretty untapped for the NBA because it doesn't always fall on a Saturday or a Sunday or yeah, a Monday. Exactly. And so the NFL just sometimes doesn't do a game on Christmas. And that, I mean, they're doing it with three this year, but let's face it, you look at the three for the NFL Raiders, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles, those two are not yeah. going to be that fun. Maybe Raiders, Chiefs. Um, the only thing about Eagles, Giants is you could bet a Boston Scott anytime touchdown and probably hit it. Um, yeah. But, but Niners and uh, Ravens is the only other one. The NBA, but like I said, loaded for Christmas. I, I, I agree with you. They should get some bigger matchups on Christmas. Absolutely. Um, and finally, we've got the Mavericks and the Suns here. Uh, and boy, oh boy, this will be an interesting game. Obviously, Phoenix is still a quality team, and Dallas is a, a good team right now. Um, but will Phoenix be able to start getting the job done? Who you got? Um, uh, similar to my thing with Kyrie, I don't know. I'm just, I, it's hard for me to bet in the regular season against Luka. Um, postseason, that's a different story because you know, they got a team. But uh, I'm going to go with Luka and them. I think Kyrie's performing when he's been there. And then Derek Lively, who's been performing. I've loved Derek Lively for them. So I'll go with them and just, it's nothing against Phoenix. They just, they got to get them all out there. They have to. I'm with you. I think right now the Mavericks have done a really good job finally kind of building a team that works best with Luka. Um, and so I think this team is playing at its best level right now, and it's only going to get better. I don't think the Suns are playing their best basketball, no. um, and they need their those guys back because, sure, they finally managed to kind of fill out this roster right there at the end, especially with that Damian Lillard trade. Right. Um, but that's just it. They just barely filled out this roster. This roster is built on those three guys playing every night. Um, so I don't think they're going to get much better until they get everybody back. But right. – 
With all that being said, that's going to do it for us here at the Bull Take Podcast. We want to wish you an, uh, an early Merry Christmas yep. here uh, from the Bull Take Podcast. I know we did it in the NFL episode, but just in case you didn't listen to yeah. the NFL Merry, episode, Merry you Christmas. Have a happy holidays um, and, you know, happy New Year. Hey, and celebrate New Year. Don't forget, college football playoffs coming up. Absolutely. Just creeping up. So along with that and all the other sports, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So happy holidays to everyone. Absolutely. I'm hoping for around New Year some more DeMar DeRozan buzzer beaters on no. uh, between each As long year. as he's not playing the Pacers on uh, New Year's. don't. That was the worst like New Year's thing ever was. I was like, you know, I'm going to watch the Pacers play on New Year's. I got – because I was coming home and I was like, I'll watch it. And then yeah. I saw the buzzer beater. I was like, I immediately regret turning this game on. Uh, <laughs> but that will do it for us here. That's Austin Wader. I'm Austin Hill. And we want to thank you for listening.